Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the bubble. He is Mike Bonner. I am Montana Samuels, and we are back for our first episode of 2019, in which we will not be talking about Beto O'Rourke's famous dentist chair selfie. Unless you want to, Mike. Unless you want to. I had no idea where you were going as we're kicking off. Is this season two, or did we kick off season two last year? I think technically we kicked off season two last year, but I don't think anyone would be mad at us. That's if why we we're still mind. an amateur podcast. You think we would kick off season two in the new year? It's season two now. You know, so season two point five, Mike. We're ringing in the new year. Yes. So what are we talking about? We're going to talk about twenty twenty, guys. We are skipping twenty nineteen. Skipping it. Because we don't care anymore. Sixteen days in, I'm already done with nineteen. Over it. I'm already done. Um, I don't really quite know what happened. Government shutdown. Go- continues well, to be shut down. Okay. Yeah. See, we haven't already had, been too long. 16 I days we have not had care. a government. Jesus. Can I go on a li- – no, never mind. I'm not going to go on a No, go on it. No, nope, we're going to go into 2020. No, 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 no. We have to talk about 2019 a little bit because it's in 2019. So I need your 2019. So right, we're going to talk now. about 2020 because everyone else seems to be talking about 2020. Yes. Uh, Specifically, Wait, are you, candidates. Were, are, did you just railroad me to not do your rant? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I, I was saying, you know, <laughs> everyone's talking about the presidential race in 2020, and we're thinking not necessarily specific candidates, but character right. traits that are interesting among candidates. Uh, we'll obviously name some some names because because that's what we do here. Yeah. We name names. So Full my disclosure, my mini rant or my mini confusion. With the government shutdown, yes, is and I know we all call it the partial shutdown, but why are we forcing people to work for free? So, so the government can continue to run. It should just be no. Everything stops, which means a shutdown would never happen right. because the adults in the room would say, "Oh, we can't do this because we wouldn't get elected." Well, that's next a time. yeah, right. The IRS just called what was it, forty six thousand people back to work, absurd, without pay. Yeah, people are playing Travis Scott's sicko mode at Imagine, JFK. Let's not even go to the tax returns, like the, 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 the sure. tax IRS. Sure. Imagine if airports were just closed. Right, the government would would happen. Yeah. There would be no shutdown. It, yes, if there would travel, be travel, international travel, just stops. No, no one could come in and out of. America. Yeah, deal with deal with happen. But it's like, oh, well, no, that has that has to happen. We can't shut <laughs> No, that then then it don't shut it down. It doesn't have to happen. It's a government agency. People are just getting on and off planes with whatever they want. You're taking liquids that are over the allowed limit through TSA that no one's checking. My point being, if it was an actual <laughs> shutdown, it wouldn't be happening and these people would be getting no, paid for sure. because yeah, yeah, yeah. they would Yes. They would ha- it would happen. You yes. wouldn't have government using Correct. this as leverage. Yeah, that was the word I was looking for. I couldn't think of it. 
Yeah. Anyways, so that's why I'm I'm done with 19. I'm skipping 19. Unless the next airport I go to is playing unex- or, uh, uncensored rap music through TSA. I would, I would like that right very much. TF Green. I'm flying out February. If the government's still shut down, I'm really hoping I get to listen to... Maybe, I don't know, Travis Scott's fine. You can probably find something better. But I'm down either way. I have no idea what you're talking about. They, at JFK, TSA agents were just blasting rap music yesterday okay it was a big thing on the internet they were playing travis scott uncensored version just through the airport horrified business people were just like what is this what what is this music is that what they (laughs) probably i don't know i like montana's business person and impression yeah i so i'm i'm already in 2020 i don't know about you you can join me whenever you like i'm back i'm back so we're, we're specifically looking at a 538 article yes Nate Silver writ, described writ. five uh, five concepts or five groups, five yep. key groups that make up Democratic voters and how what these groups A, want, how they usually vote, what kind of issues yeah. are most important to them. In the, the five categories are party loyalists, the left, millennials and friends. <laughs> Our favorite category, of course. <laughs> Black voters and Hispanic voters, parentheses, sometimes in combination with Asian voters. Yes. I have a slight issue with four and five because I think they would kind of fall in place with one, two, and three. But there is an, uh, a reason why they put um, groups four and five black voters and then uh, Hispanic and Asian voters in their own uh, demographic. Yeah. Specifically because I feel like I'm getting all the fine print up in the beginning. Right, yeah, let's just, but, yeah. Uh, it, it, according to 538, black voters represented 19% of the people who voted for Democratic House candidates in 2018. Uh, black voters are a poorer and younger, are, are poorer and younger than other Democrats on average, and about 60% of black voters in Democratic primaries are women, according to 538. Uh Oh boy, the group five demographic demographic profile is much larger. I'm trying to see if yeah. I can get like a well. So I think the condensed version is basi- basically it is not a gr- so whereas black voters as a group typically vote for Democrats more frequently, Asian voters and Hispanic voters are much more split across the party line. So I think that's why they are identified here because it is more difficult to identify where those voters will come from for this coalition, as 538 calls it, um, what will make them choose one candidate over the other, um, et cetera. Just more issues that they identify with. Um, so that's so that's lines. 538's breakdown. And I think more than... I think it's important to bring up those groups because each group has its own priorities in terms of what they want to vote for, their issues. Yeah. And many of them kind of cross-pollinate you know there's there's some uh, there's there's probably some crossover within the groups yeah because yeah, i i think it, the one that pops into my mind is uh the crossover between millennials and black voters where racial equality sure. is is yep. a top priority maybe um, the left as well it seems like millennials and the left may have a bit of a crossover and, and that's why i think to me young at Hispanic least Hispanic voters young asian voters perhaps yeah yeah the issues kind of break down into the millennials of the left and the party loyalists. The left being yeah. defined as a kind of a Bernie Sanders-esque 
candidate. Bernie and Elizabeth Warren are sort of the most uh, commonly affiliated with this group, I think. Millennials and friends. Uh, our, our guy, uh, Mr. Whataburger himself, Beto O'Rourke. And uh, who they voted in the past, it seems like Bernie and, and Obama. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Beto. And then the the party loyalists are... The party loyalists, the, the identifying I, I, Joe with, Biden, jo, yeah, Joe Biden, sort of your um, not run of the mill, but almost like a straight down the line Democrat, like a career politician type, things like that. Though I guess Bernie Sanders is probably a career politician, so I think that's so. A bad way to describe it. We already have Elizabeth Warren had announced that she's running. Uh, Kristen Gillibrand announced that she's running. Um, um, the former mayor of San Antonio, Julian Castro. Yes. So I think is that it? It for right now, for the official. Yeah. Uh, but of course, then you have other names: uh, Biden, Sanders, Amy Klobuchar from yeah. uh, Minnesota, I believe, uh, Sherrod Brown, uh, and Cory Booker. Yeah. So let's actually do just just to be uh, certain we cover everything. So in the piece that we're sort of talking through um they listed 10 candidates which were joe biden kamala harris bernie sanders elizabeth warren cory booker beto o'rourke amy klobuchar sherrod brown christian kirsten gillibrand and julian castro um and those were sort of like the 10 most likely to run or already running i suppose and then with those five groups they made graphs that showed which candidate appeals most or less or where they appeal to those yes. five groups. Sort of trying to, essentially the goal was to pinpoint where they are doing well or where they are trending towards in regards to which coalition or coalitions of voters will most likely support them. And I think so we're almost 10 minutes in now. And the interesting aspect that I found when you look at these graphs mm-hmm. and example, Kirsten Gillibrand is the the most well-rounded candidate according to this graph where she doesn't appeal most to anyone, but she appeals to everyone at a scale of three out of five. She's really in accordance with the chart. She's really malleable in that sense because she can sort of go in whichever direction she wants um, in regards to her political strategy and who they sort of, I really, I, I don't know who they sort of brand themselves toward, right? I feel like it's more like branding, campaigning. It, it's sort of become the same thing. So I really, she's like a brandable candidate. I think that you're you're spot on too because it, I almost looked at these graphs and these, uh, yeah, these graphs as yeah. an NCAA tournament like blind a, resume. And oh, while, sure. While yeah, this yeah. is while this is great, and you know. That's why I started with Kristen Gillibrand because yep. it looks like – so they have five categories and each category is ranked on a one to five basis yep. of how they appeal to each group. She has three out of five across, across the, board, the board where yep. a Bernie Sanders is a two. Uh, two with it, millennials and a – or no, no, four no, 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 with I'm millennials. Sorry. Four, four out of five with millennials and five, five out, out of five, five with the left. left. But then it struggles the rest of the way. Yeah, a one out of five with party loyalists, for example. Yep. Um, but these aren't blind resumes going into a campaign. Yes. Uh, so to me, that's where it really gets interesting, where yep. there are issues, there are topics, there are candidates that provide these issues and these topics that may 
attract to a, a group or a people yep. or a person more than someone else, but the, the name is the brand. Exactly. And we saw yep. that, I think, in the last presidential election where many people voted for Bernie Sanders or wanted to vote for Bernie Sanders, yep. but a they maybe didn't because they didn't think he could win. Sure. So the brand wasn't there at that point. So whereas, I find that fascinating. Yeah, whereas the opposition, the brand was certainly, the brand was almost everything, right? Um, yeah, I find, so this sort of um, brings brings up a, a topic I really wanted to cover, which is almost sort of the the timing of when people run, right? So I think tradition, as we talk about brands, we've mentioned Beto O'Rourke a couple of times, and I think, as it stands, maybe only um, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, my God. Good for you. I was just going to go AOC. I know. I felt like I needed more context. Um, I think she probably has an equally as strong brand as Beto in, in the present moment, like as we speak today on Wednesday at 1.13 p.m. Her and Beto are sort of like the newest young vo- voices that people are behind, but I think the interesting thing right now is that in 2020, I think it's going to be really important for people to sort of understand when their moment is. So I think historically, Beto probably would have waited because he was really young. It wasn't quite his time, all of those talking points. But right now, it's almost a strike while the iron's hot type thing. It's all, I mean, to bring up a sports comparison, it's almost like when uh, juniors out of college um, declare for the NFL or NBA draft because is their stock going to get any higher than it is right now? You have to you have to pick your moment, and I think that's sort of a a change of pace from what we've seen traditionally, which is like sort of wait your turn, like you're not up yet. And I wonder when you're speaking of brands, yeah, um, how malleable a Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders, or even to an extent, I think Elizabeth Warren, sure, how malleable those brands are because while Warren, I would describe as isn't hasn't been on the presidential spotlight like a Biden or a Sanders. Yes. She still has been on a national spotlight in terms of her feuds with yeah. with Trump. Uh, yep, very kind of uh, um, like as, as I said on the national stage, yeah. which is one maybe one of the reasons why she announced so early is to try to Strike. change yeah. that brand. Or promote oh, her sure. brand at as much high, as possible. At a higher level. Right. Rather yeah. than, I think, uh, because a lot of people were saying, you know, maybe it's past Warren's prime. Maybe it was sure. last year. She didn't even get the most votes uh, in Massachusetts. She, sure. Charlie Baker got the most votes, which the Republican governor right. um, got more votes than her. She's the second. She still won easily. But whereas in A.B. Klobuchar, she really can make, yep. she can really change mesh her campaign right how she wants it because the public doesn't have any preconceived notions of who she is yep. she's kind of an uh a newbie to the to, to the presidential scene at least or the national scene certainly experienced yes. in politics but just not on that national scene so, sort of the same with julian castro who was right. the secretary of uh housing and urban development under the obama administration and was also the san antonio mayor um i i think an interesting test case in this, right, is one of the, at least to me, it seemed like he was a really talked about name a couple of years ago, which is Cory Booker, who 
sort of had his moment in the spotlight when he challenged Jeff Sessions during his confirmation hearing about Jeff Sessions' record. He was really um, outspoken about um, some of the questions that arose about Jeff Sessions' racial history, I think. Um, And he was a really sort of this hot commodity, and it was actually the beginning of uh, 2017 in January. But you, he's sort of not one of the top five guys people are talking about right now. And I, I think that's an interesting test case into why somebody like Beto would see this as their time to run, right? I think it'll be really interesting to almost compare the two of them because if I had to guess, their policy stances will be pretty similar, right? Cory Booker um, was just in a hearing speaking about um, unjust, like, sort of biased policing recently. So he obviously Cory Booker is a black man. Those sorts of issues that affect the black community will be a big part of his stance. I assume Beto, as he sort of trends more towards millennials, will have some of those similar political stances. I would actually really like to follow how those two do in contrast with each other because I think they're similar enough that the policy points will be not that different, but the moments right, that they occupy with their brand in particular are, I think, very different. And so I think it's a it's an interesting aspect because you look at these 10 people and we're just saying these 10 people because the 538 article, uh, there probably will be more. Sure. But they're, the funny thing is if they're elected president, any of them mm-hmm. – they're probably their policies aren't going to be all that different in terms of sure because they can't just as we've learned with this president you just can't enact things you need congressional yeah. support so yes. while just we'll just say candidate A may want you know universal health care yep. and uh, ending for profit prisons free colleges marijuana everything for, yeah. as much as left as you possibly can think and candidate B another in the Democratic Party may you know be more moderate Mm -hmm. it just because candidate a and his his or her super far left agenda they get elected doesn't they may end up just being a more moderate agenda because it doesn't mean that the rest of congress agrees with you yeah i think on top of that uh kind of playing off of that it's going to be interesting to see how a beto o'rourke forms his campaign Mm -hmm. uh because as we were talking pre-pod, Kirsten Gillibrand mm-hmm. was uh, a congresswoman for uh, New York's 20th district. Yes. And that's, it leans it leans left, but uh, it voted for Bush uh, in 20 and, uh, 2000 and 2004. You look at it, it's about 55, 40, 55. So it's, it's not in the 60s. Right. Uh, but I think she, as a congresswoman, I think it would be fair to say that she was a little bit more moderate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when she ran for Senate, she could kind of become a little bit more liberal that we see now because New York City encompassed that, which is a lot more liberal. Yes. I wonder how Beto plays that off in a presidential campaign where yeah. he was running for Senate in a more conservative state. But now if he runs for president, he's going to be running on a much larger scheme. Yep. And people are going to want a more liberal agenda. 
Especially from Beto, right? I think he sort of Especially, represents, yeah. uh, if it were another, well, Julian Castro maybe um, could give you that contrast at a like a pretty easy le- I, I'm actually not all that familiar with Julian Castro's policies, but the early talking points, especially from uh, this 538 article, is they're sort of competing for the same base, especially Hispanic voters. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see the sorts of policies that are employed by Julian Castro, who Hispanic voters, especially in Texas, have been noted to lean a little bit more right than like group four black voters. But yeah, I, I I think you're totally right. Texas provides a really interesting um, picture of this this sort of narrative of the changing American landscape, right? I feel like for the last three elections, people have been saying Texas is more purple than you think. And if Beto is the candidate that runs, and we talked about this a little bit before, I think it'll really put that to the test because even if it's close in Texas... I, I think maybe you'll start to see that come to a little bit more. It'll be at least a little more backed by a more obvious number than in the past, right? I think in the Senate race, like you said, Beto was really close, and that was a ch- that was a shift certainly. But if yeah, if it's a presidential race, I'll be curious to see if he would have a shot at winning his home state. I think, and I'm looking at these nine, these ten, and he seems like the one person that can run on brand rather than substance to a degree. And by that, I mean, I talked about how he'll expand his campaign or not and just how he goes. But I I also don't know how much he necessarily has to because he reminds me of a Barack Obama candidate Mm -hmm. where you're running on an idea, hope, yep, change. Um, I mean, he basically could just steal the Obama model. He could. And, And so... His policies or his his uh, platform, I don't think, has to be as left as some other candidates who are trying to break in. Because as you, yep. I, you're right. I didn't know Julian Castro either. I don't. I'm not sure what. Yeah, I think he was he was sort of a a dark horse candidate that um, I, he had hinted at the fact that he was going to declare or declare uh, say that he was running. But um, but he has to even if say if he does oh, I, I think yeah he's yeah he yes, is he, he is yeah. um, he has to show and prove one who he is he has to, yeah, exactly and be yep. what he stands for I think for for whatever reason or uh, we know why but uh, his campaign to run for U.S. Senate in Texas mm-hmm. Beto has generated who he is. And a little bit of what he stands for, but we don't really know exactly what he would stand for on this big of a scale. And on top of that, I think the interesting thing is he's also removed from the political scene. He has that Trump aspect to him in 16 where he's not an Elizabeth Warren fighting Trump every day. He's not Amy Klobuchar uh, on these committees. He's not Kirsten Gillibrand who's called out Al Franken. Yep. Cory Booker holding people's feet to the fire. Booker Harris, yep. same thing. Where whether you like that, you either like them or don't like them because A, they're either standing up for what you believe in mm-hmm. or B, trying to tear down what you believe in. Where Beto O'Rourke, if you looked at his campaign and even the Cruz voters, mm-hmm. Cruz vo- voters, at least the people they interviewed, which is not everybody, they didn't seem to try to tear him apart as a, as a demon. 
he yeah. hey he's a good guy but i don't you know i don't agree with his stances yeah where the others at least and i think maybe that's where biden kind of gets into because he's removed a little mm-hmm. bit as well they're not in the day-to-day battles yes um which i think might help because i think everyone which we started our whole mm-hmm. podcast off is is just tired of 19 and let's get to something different in 20. Well, and so the irony of the the point you make about Cruz not really tearing Beto apart as well, apart as well is that Bernie Sanders' coalition has already sort of started Fair point. holding Beto's feet to the fire. So I think we will sort of see what we... It's, it's really funny, right? Because we talked and the talk of 2016 was this Republican field is massive. Yeah. Like, why is this happening? It's going to happen in 2020. It's just going to be on the other side. So I, I legitimately would not be surprised if we started to see a couple of storylines form in the same way that we saw with uh, the current president, Donald Trump, um, having these specific talking points about his other candidates. I'm not sure they'll be as quite as malicious, but like, would you be surprised if Joe Biden tries to play the like, I've been here before, guys, card, like every five there, seconds. There's you know? so many aspects to it because I think if you look at these, just these 10 candidates alone, I think you could probably, just on resumes, probably mm-hmm. argue that this is a stronger, just 10, than the Republicans had um, when they had their 10. Um, I'm trying to think of, well, I'd, it was Cruz, um, Bush, Rubio, Rubio, I think Kasich. Kasich. So, you know, those are. F- Oh, what's her name? Oh, I'm blanking. There were too many. Oh, my God. Ben Carson. Ben Carson. Um, and then wasn't there only there was only one woman that ran, right? It just and, and you know what it might this might very well be it. The fact that politics and news has really taken a front seat mm-hmm. in sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen, whereas in thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen I'm not sure how much I'm not sure how much the Harrises or Bookers or Gillibrands, Sherrod Browns, mm-hmm. uh, even uh Amy Klobuchar, you know, I, I'm not sure how much national names because no one's watching the the committee Yeah, no, no, no. Meetings. I, you're a hundred percent. So right. maybe that's the the bias that's leading into these these are bigger name people just because people know more names now. Yeah. But the point being there's a whole bunch of people, and if you look at 16, everyone was saying, look at all these candidates, mm-hmm. and it looks like the Democrats can just cruise because they have their candidate, and she's, she's got the stamp of approval yeah, from Barack Obama, the sitting big president. Big name and everything. And now you look at it, and it's almost completely reversed where mm-hmm. there's these 10 candidates, and people are saying, well, there's can Donald Trump get another uh, uh, you know another yeah. election and so it's almost can donald trump fl- get another ele- people are considering whether or not he's going to be primaried <laughs> or or yeah. lose the primary right, right. so it, it's so and it it gets back to really you can make an argument that both both circumstances and i think probably less so in the in 16 mm-hmm. but would uh detract or kind of cause less voter turnout because oh well mm. a hillary's gonna win or b oh trump can't win because sort of the apathy of, right yeah. like why should i go and vote two if, unlikable candidates yeah which we get back into 18 let's go back a year mm-hmm. and we we saw oh it was turnout a- numbers but 
I don't, I'm not sure how much higher because specifically in Bristol County where we are, sure. it wasn't crazy high. Maybe because there wasn't any crazy races that yeah, and there's not every a lot race of, was I, I kind of decided that's before. That's the big thing. There's really not that many young people that live here. Um, it's... I I don't know. I, I think my stance on this remains the same, which as tw- I don't necessarily think that 2020 is going to be the year that we see a reversion to the mean. I think that will be 2024, given that Donald Trump is not still the president in 2023. Given that Donald Trump doesn't win re-election 2020. So you're saying right? a, a 2024 election where an incumbent's running? A 2024 because election 20, where... Because can't, an incumbent can't run. I mean, a, 20, a 2024 an incumbent can't run if Trump is already no, elected. No, no. Right. So that's why I'm saying... Yeah. Yes. Correct. So if... So whether it's Donald Trump well, or a Republican no, no, no. primary guy so, running or... So I actually... Let me... So if the Democrats can win the presidency in 2020, I think we will see a reversion to the mean in 2024. If the Democrats lose the presidency, I think it, 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 well, so this is where it gets kind of tricky though, right? Because I, my original thought was if Donald Trump is the departing president in 2024, then people will still be motivated to vote. But that theory doesn't really make sense because if Donald Trump is still if Donald Trump is the departing president in 2024, then we probably had a reversion to the mean in 2020, right? Because if on all, from what I've taken in, it seems as if the the voter turnout remains as high as it was in the midterms, Democrats will win the 2020 election. But I think 18 showed that people went out and voted in, uh, I think in Ohio, they had the highest crazy numbers and Republicans held, held a court. So I think, yeah, I think it, it, it's. I think you're 100 percent spot on that. Yeah. Um, historically speaking, the mantra has been if people vote, Democrats win. I'm not sure if that's remains the case. It would just be a great. Imagine a place if we lived in that. If everyone just voted, so we wouldn't have to like. Well, if people vote, yeah, like, true. <laughs> it's yeah. a weird kind of thing to. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I, I think voter turnout is maybe going to be one of the. I think that's going to drive people mad especially given how much um not controversy but skepticism is with the polls now because i i would point to a large understanding of how polls operate rather than inefficiencies with the polling system in a lot of cases but with donald trump never really having i don't know if he was really favored in any of the polls leading up to the 2016 election then it obviously won I mean, if you look at polling error and things like that, I, a couple of sites, I think 538 being one of them, showed that he had a shot. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that that's an issue that I I think, aside from some of the primary, like primary stuff, getting into the actual election will be, I think turnout's always something to follow, but I think it'll be, on the forefront of people's minds this time around, just because of the possibility that I don't, it could be record breaking. I mean, it, I, I it think, goes, yeah, it goes back to what you were saying uh, about brand and yeah. yet the polls may say something, but if someone doesn't, yeah, it, it someone it's human nature. They yeah. want to vote for someone who they think can win. Yep. Uh, I don't know why humans are like that, but it just, 
it is. It just is, yeah. Um, so these, and that's why we, we kind of come full circle. The names matter because while these graphs show, oh, this is a great candidate for this mm-hmm. thing or that, um, and I wish it was more kind of a blank resume type thing where you could just vote on issues, vote on who who represents right. your beliefs most, but I guess that's what makes politics fascinating is because it's the not, brand yeah. matters just as much as the issues. Yeah. Could you imagine? I, I'm trying to think now um, what the best like clash of personalities would be on the debate stage. W- Republican versus like the presidential debate stage. You mean like WWE style? No, 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 like, no, well, no like not like fighting, but you know, if you are you looking? Oh, for sure. The, like who is the most interesting debate? Right. I think. What do you mean? What does find interesting? Do you mean free like, flow of ideas or like yelling screaming match? That's why I said WWE. So, somewhere in the middle, right? So like, I don't think a yelling screaming match is interesting, but I think like those like sort of moments of like clap like. Twitter style clapbacks or like, there were a couple moments in the the Clinton um, Trump debates that were like that, especially the early ones. But just sort of like things the internet will be talking about or like stuff that'll make you laugh, like the most like shade that can be thrown to steal uh, White House former White House photographer Pete Souza's word. But I th- so like what it comes down to me for is like I, I just feel like watching a Beto tr- Donald Trump debate would be sort of interesting see i think like i would have said biden yeah but i thought that too but i don't really want to like think about the optics of two like 70 plus one of white men but just standing on stage like uh you don't want to go out back with me partner like that's what you asked for like i don't so didn't really he kind of ran he's he ran with blinders on I felt like against Cruz where he really wasn't trying to like I think he had to clap back at like I think he knew he was fighting I think if Beto makes it to the presidential debate stage he probably has an idea that he's got a he just needs to be like funny young guy that can like (laughs) I don't know I think if it gets to that point it's definitely more brand than like ideology and I think uh Biden because you don't know what he's going to say. Warren would be interesting too because they've already had. Yeah, I feel like what that like will cross the grounds of just being like mean though and like semi. Well, I think. Well, that's why I'm asking. There's you, a, there's I'm asking a solid, you what you think interesting is because there's a yeah, lot of ways. No, to you're go. right. You're right. I, I think all of the. I think with Donald Trump, there's always going to be a storyline, right? And I, I think the the you know the other name that pops up, which I think would because I don't know. I don't know. We, that's the thing when we talked about with Beto. I don't. I don't know him enough. He's the, the he's X sort of a factor, mystery, yeah, yeah, because he's not in the news weekly. Yeah, no, none of these other candidates they get enough airtime that they don't need to take a picture while they're getting it in the dentist chair. You know, they sure they're sure. So I, but I think if you're looking for a, a Beto type candidate, I I think Gillibrand might be that. You know that person that could you sit so? there. You know, oh, like mild manner, mild like, manner that you would think mild manner, but you know, she, she. I don't think you make your announcement to run for presidency on, on a late Colbert. show yeah. without having some, you know, yep, one liners or anything like that that could be, you know, interesting. Yeah, um, and she's she stands her ground, which we know when she she challenged Al Franken, Al Franken, yeah, um, to you know step down. But she's oh, but, also yeah. off on the periphery 
where she's not I – mean, she's a junior senator in her own state yeah. with Chuck Schumer being the senior senator. So I think, you know, she she's not in the spotlight as much as mm-hmm. some others, but she's also – she knows the political game where she, she could, you know – that would be an interesting debate, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably uh, – I just wanted to add I, – I highlighted this portion of the uh, Nate Silver piece that we spoke about, the almost the entirety of this podcast, because I thought it was, like, funny writing. Um, where he says, and speaking of Al Franken, um, he writes, but her calls for Senator Al Franken to resign issued after several women accused him of groping them reportedly reportedly triggered a backlash among some donor class Democrats who, uh, brackets warning editorial comment ahead, apparently don't care how stupid they look for blaming a woman for a man's Me Too problems. I just thought that was, I mean, that's good writing right there. <laughs> that's just really good writing. Yeah, I, I don't understand the whole idea of trying to shame. Is that the right word for, I don't, for doing the right thing? I don't I don't get it. I, I think at that point for the Democrats, it was more of like, this is a outspoken, this is a person who the public has gravitated towards in our fight against Donald Trump, and you're trying to bring him down, which is worth noting I will bracket my comment here with a preface of editorial comment ahead as well. Uh, probably the dumbest thing you could have done in that moment. That I mean, that's just stupid. But yeah, I, I just thought that was interesting because you bring up she holds Franken's feet to the... Or she called for him to resign, basically. Um, and I would be curious. That would actually be an interesting debate because she could bring that stuff up against Donald Trump. She clearly doesn't care what is, well, my original thought was going to be, she doesn't care what is best politically because that angered some of her cohort. But I don't think she probably assumed that her democratic peers would be like, how dare you? Right. Which maybe goes to show some of the hypocrisy of the Democratic Party, but it's neither here nor there, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, that would be that. I think those would be the, the interesting. It, it, there's a lot going on. There's so, it's crazy. It's early too. It's just, yeah. Yeah. 2019 has just started. And I I do find, yeah, to me, the candidates are interesting for sure, but it's why they're, kind of being front runners or why they're falling back or mm-hmm. like what are why aren't, why isn't their brand succeeding why isn't the brand because at the end of the day I don't think that they're all that different yeah mindset especially when as I talked about the agenda really isn't going to be yep what they're probably running on anyways yep so let let let's wrap on this mike if you had to given that this is still very oh early on in the process I'm not going to ask you who you think is going to win. Good, because I wasn't going to tell you. Um, <laughs> what do you think is going to be sort of the most interesting thing to keep an eye out on for the primary process? We'll stick with the primary. Yeah, my, the thing that I like that I think there are two sides, and it's the the Michelle Obama doctrine, which is when yep. they go low, we go high. Mm-hmm. Will that be kind of the way Beto O'Rourke run, ran in Texas? Just, mm-hmm. I'm running my race. I don't care what Ted Cruz says about me. This is me. I'm going to tell you about me. Yep. Is that what's going to be run? Or is that the candidate that is going to want to be had? Mm-hmm. Or is it going to be kind of the opposite that where they want a candidate that will 
attack Trump, mm-hmm. kind of play in his ring, sling mud, you know, have some Twitter yep. wars. I, that to me, I find that fascinating of where where the party will go. I yeah. I don't think you can go much in the middle. See, that's interesting to me because I I think you're exactly right, and that'll be sort of the um, like overwhelming force. So what I think about is like, does the party want more of a Cory Booker? In ter- this is in terms of like your sort of presidential. Um, what was the phrase? Presidential. Presidential. No. Well, yeah, presidential, but sort of like how mild you are, um, or like how like. Do you want more of a Cory Booker, who's like very mannered, ma- very mild man? Well, yeah, but that wasn't whatever. We're <laughs> we're past it. Do you want a Cory Booker that's really mild mannered, or do you want a Bernie who's sort of like a hair on fire type? I think actually they're going to look for somebody who's a little bit more in the middle, maybe like an Elizabeth Warren or like a Joe Biden in terms of like their mentality and like their mannerisms. See, I Whereas, almost think Elizabeth Warren is more out there than Bernie in terms of, I, I think that because of the past with Trump, I think that would be a so real, Oh, okay. And so like context is, important she would, right that, that would be something yeah. interesting because I think that will be a brand change for her because yes. she hasn't been afraid. Afraid is probably not the right word. She hasn't hesitated to, to come. Yeah. Come that's back a good point. At that's him a good point. Immediately. So uh, yeah, which is why I thought, so like the reason I bring up Cory Booker and Bernie is because there's sort of a middle ground there. And I, I just think, It'll be interesting to see the marketing machine behind Beto in regards to how he comes out. Because I, I really think he, or um, like you said, a Gillibrand, maybe a Kamala Harris as well a little bit, but they're sort of positioned in these places where they can be a little bit more molded in terms of how they um, come across in debates or speeches or things like that. Are they fiery or are they subdued? Are they are they incredibly articulate to like an academic level or do they speak to like the everyday person? Um, I think those are things to watch because what you saw in 2016 is at least the Republican electorate wanted somebody who was going to be just sort of in your face telling people air quotes how it Mm is. I, I don't, think that that's where the democratic party is or where they want to be um but i'm also not sure i i think that's maybe one of the things that the democratic party has struggled with as identity is are we obama who's like this incredibly articulate academic or are we bill clinton who's like sort of this good old southern boy like where where are we as a where speaking as the democrats where are we as a party um so I think that'll yeah I I think we're kind of on the same position right there. Just people going to be fiery or they're going to be subdued. And go back to the brand. I mean, how much how much will brand, it's all about the brand? Well, I, yeah. we'll see because I I think certainly it was everything in in sixteen. Yeah, where resume didn't matter. Yep. Um, to a well. It's it's difficult to say. Because Resume didn't matter on the Republican side. Certainly, it mattered. Well, I'm on talking the about the nation, side. the nation as a whole, because I think that's what you're going for. You know, you're playing sure. to win the game, and it's it's tough to look back. And I, I I wonder what they take away from 16, because in one sense, Hillary Clinton garnered the most votes, mm-hmm. but on the other sense, Donald Trump won the game. Yeah. So w- what do you take? You know, 
how much does resume matter? How much does likeness matter? How much does mm-hmm. personality matter? And in theory, having more candidates should develop a stronger pooled candidate. In theory. Um, but maybe it won't. So one thing I want to, I, I don't necessarily want you to answer this question right now, but given that we will probably be coming back to this topic over the course of the year. One thing I really want to think about is maybe like the most simple hypothetical of all time, which is given what's happened over the Donald Trump presidency, given what happened in 2018 with the turnout in the midterms and how motivated people were, if you ran it back, if 2020, that two candidates were Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, who do you think would win? Like I said, I don't, I don't necessarily want you to answer that question right now, but I, ac- I truly think that is an interesting school, like an interesting topic to think on as we continue down this road. I think I have an idea that I could, but I don't necessarily, I, I think I want to save this topic for another day. Okay. All right. This has been The Bubble. He is Mike Bonner. I am Montana Samuels. And if you like us talking about politics a year out, come back. We hope you'll have us back. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of... uh human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.